Well, uh, <clears throat> good evening. It's about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. <clears throat> Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim may well be caught up in traffic. Uh, Ann Arbor has a disastrous traffic situation today. No, it's not the hash bash. Uh, with lots of confused drivers, it's a major problem at Maine and Miller. Maine and Catherine and Miller. Can't go on Maine either way. Uh, to get on to, say, U.S. 23 or M14, if you're going north, can't go south on Maine unless you get to uh, <clears throat> Ann Street. Traffic's blocked up in both directions. Force a disaster. Miller is bad. First is bad. Ashley's bad. I'm sure Kingsley's a disaster. Uh, you can go south on 5th, north on Division, and west on Huron, oddly enough. Uh, that That is two-lane, but there's construction eastbound at Huron. So Jim might be here in a second or two. Uh, that's the way Ann Arbor uh, hangs sometimes. But this is a major utility problem of some sort because I saw five or six cherry pickers down there at the corner of Maine and Miller. In any event, uh, <clears throat> uh, Trump, of course, is in Great Britain, uh, state dinner and all that. It's no surprise that he would open up even before he got to Great Britain uh, with interviews in which he's insulting people. And once again, demonstrating incredible ignorance of uh, the situation. Shortly before basically leaving for Great Britain, he technically hadn't left until uh, this weekend, but he uh, tossed out this tariff uh, idea, uh, giving Mexico a week to <laughs> basically eliminate uh, immigration at the uh, Rio Grande border. Uh, completely unrealistic and... Uh, a total disaster. I found it interesting, and I'll just read this little quick thing. In today's New York Times, there's a story about one of the Trump Organization's properties in Uruguay that's uh, <laughs> seriously underwater and having all kinds of problems. The first of many Trump properties, I predict, to uh, undergo this phenomenon. This is one of those lengthy Monday uh, New York Times pieces. I'm not going to go through it uh, in, in great detail, let's just say that uh, the project is way behind schedule, way over budget, and may never be built. And I love the end of this article by Jesse um, Druler and uh, Manuel Andreoni, in which a construction worker is quoted as saying, I hope it takes many years to finish so I can keep my job. One worker joked as he got into his car. I'm actually not sure if it will ever get finished. The situation is kind of bad. Well, the high-rise concrete structure was largely completed in 2017. The remaining work is proceeding at a snail's pace. Electrical work is being carried out by a single electrician. The front of the building is missing windows on the top seven stories. A planned swimming hole, I mean pool, remains a <laughs> hole in the ground and an enormous Trump logo on the building ocean front exterior is beginning to rust. 
Now, well, that is just a perfect image of Donald Trump. <laughs> that's a metaphor. That's what you call a metaphor right that's there. That's perfect. Uh, actually, the numbers, recent numbers have shown that uh, it is leaving a little bit of mark on the business brand. Oh, yes. Uh, but the uh, attendance uh, and memberships at uh, many of the golf courses are down. Earnings are down. So... I think this is just the beginning, the very beginning of the long-term effect that the big stink will have. And I don't think that baby balloon in downtown London is going to help the Trumpster much uh, this weekend. But I love that phrase, the Trump logo in the front of the building is beginning to rust. This, by the way, uh, is basically a story about the inability to sell units uh, because they're overpriced, uh, not being delivered on time, and are a <clears throat> microcosm, really, of how, of how Trump's business practices have actually operated over the years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, someone needs to tell that Uruguayan construction worker, and <laughs> you might not want this job to last too long because this guy has a reputation for stiffing the workers. Stephanie you the might workers. not get paid. You might not get paid. And uh, if Trump asks to borrow money, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> over the week, uh, well, no, no need to comment too much about another mass shooting. Uh, the statistics are quite simple. America has a mass shooting every day. Pretty much for the whole year this year. This apparently was the 150th mass shooting as defined by the FBI. Some do not get as much publicity as others. But obviously this is a major uh, tragedy once again. And uh, needless to say, nothing will happen. Um, we also had the appearance of Robert Mueller. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it, last week? Yeah, you know, it was kind of interesting. I think he noticed that Trump was about to leave for England. He uh, was sort of departing uh, early on uh, last weekend uh, where he made some bizarre comments uh, getting on the plane. Trump, that is. Trump, that is. But Mueller saw that William Barr was in Alaska. <laughs> I don't know if he was suntanning himself up there, but... Uh, on the hunt of the the big Dick Cheney. What, what on earth uh, William Barr would have uh, business uh, ongoing in Alaska at this uh, juncture of his uh, tenure as attorney general escapes me. But <clears throat> I think that the headlines are quite revealing over this whole uh, last month and a half. The big headline on the 25th of March was... Uh, Mueller finds no Trump-Russia conspiracy. On the 19th of April, when the report was finally, this was the William Barr. Uh, well, that first headline, the 25th, yeah. is based not on the report itself, which, of course, nobody but a handful of people had seen, but on Mueller's, uh, uh, Barr's initial four-page letter, yes. frosting and cupcake version. The editing of the report, the talking points, the narrative that the Trump administration wanted to put out. Well, we finally get the release of the report. Here's the headline. Mueller report lays out Russia contacts 
and Trump's frantic efforts to foil inquiry. No construction, no collusion. That's his line, not ours. And then on the 30th of May, uh, in which Mueller uh, broke the silence, breaking silence, Mueller declines to absolve Trump, cites misconduct, but says his hands were tied on charges. Uh, some of those were subheadlines, but basically that was the gist of what Mueller did. He, of course, appeared, uh, gave a kind of uh, dry, <laughs> dull uh, account of uh, his work, his, uh, announcing his resignation, by the way, and pretty much saying, well, I the report speaks for itself. Yeah, I this I expect this to be my final word. Mm -hmm. I don't want to appear before Congress. Of course, if wishes were fishes, nobody would appear before Congress, but he may yet appear before Congress. Um though he need not at this point in my opinion. Cuz I don't think he's going to really uh shall we say break out of character. No, I don't think so either, but I do think that Elements of his report need to uh, be manifested uh, in personal appearances by others. Yes. Uh, witnesses, uh, those whose documents are part of the uh, grand collection that is the Mueller report. I mean, basically, as you say, a very dry, staid, um, I don't want to say wooden, um, because the words were so carefully chosen and emphasized uh, that it was the politest rebuke to Bill Barr that I think you could expect to see. Yeah. Because there were a number of phrasings that he used that suggested that the reason I'm even speaking to you at all here today is because this has already been misrepresented. Yeah. And of course, just a couple of weeks ago, um, a letter leaked out uh, by uh, Mueller. The headline on this, by the way, it was from the 1st of May. Mueller at odds with Barr's view of investigation. Letter gave a rebuttal, another sign of friction over the description of findings on Trump. So, yes, there is no collusion between William Barr and Robert Mueller. No, the, the fact uh, that, well, that's clearly proven by the cozy fireside chat appearance of Bill Barr. Bill, the toolbox bar, as yeah. I prefer to call him. Uh, what was that all about? Oh, I'm up in Alaska. Here's the cozy fire in the background. Well, the rest of America is enjoying spring. He's up there throwing frozen turkeys into a meat shredder with Sarah Palin. I don't know. But the fact that he showed up on TV the very next day sure. shows, A, that he is not the Attorney General of the United States, but is a personal representative of Donald yeah. J. Trump. And B, that they recognized, oh, uh, yeah, Mueller's careful phrasings there really reveal my previous maneuvers to have been part of the cover-up. So they had to get something out there right away the next day. Um, how long uh, Barr will be able to successfully do this, I don't know. Although uh, I think it was Elijah Cummings' oversight committee uh or whether it was Nadler's committee, I don't know. But the, the next step has been taken in the uh, holding bar in contempt. 
Yeah. And Whichever committee it was, I don't remember. How that goes is anybody's guess. Of course, Trump continues to have temper tantrums. Um, one classic example of Trump attacking Mueller. Mueller, oddly enough, did not note all of the attacks that uh, President Trump um, spewed forth on to Robert Mueller. But this is very interesting in which Trump, uh, back in November, uh, this is basically a week after he realized that the uh, elections did not turn out quite as well as he claimed. If you'll recall, he gave a press conference the day after the midterms elections and said it was almost a total victory. (laughs) Anyway, he accused the uh, Mueller team of, it's gone absolutely nuts. That was on the 16th of November, Uh, yet another attack. And, of course, at the heart of the story, uh, and and Mueller actually did address the issue of of interference in our elections in a statement. Well, he emphasized it at the beginning and yet again at the end, saying that this is a thing that happened. All the evidence is there in the report. It's going to happen again. Pay attention. Yeah. And and I, by the way, am one of these uh, students of history that even questions the notion that the president can't be indicted. Uh, this was a... Uh, That's merely an opinion, by yes. the way, not a you know, written fact of law. And the important thing is this was never challenged. This actually emanated from the Nixon uh, era. Uh, long may he reign. <laughs> uh Seeming quainter with every passing day. Henry Peterson was um, um, <clears throat> Richard Nixon's man at the Justice Department. And I suspect that he and Kleindienst came up with this finding uh, at some point uh, to stall the investigation into the Watergate uh, matter. Of course, the impeachment of Richard Nixon did unfold eventually which is why I think Nancy Pelosi is still being relatively sensible about this. Uh, They can make inquiries, go slow, whatever you want to call it, but there's plenty to look at. And even Mueller in his press conference reiterated that, well, I did not clear Donald Trump of obstruction of justice. Because he couldn't charge him. Right. Because then there was no chance for that defendant to attempt to clear themselves of the accusation in a court of law. Since there's not going to be a trial, you can't even make the charge. Uh, He emphasized that there's a whole other body that has that specific function. Sure. And it's Congress. And the phrase, by the way, unindicted co-conspirator, which uh, was uh, used to describe Richard Nixon after he resigned, was actually employed by the grand jury uh, looking into the Watergate matter. Um, And that grand jury is looking into the Trump matter. And as for the obstruction of justice, uh, you know, it's fascinating to actually go back to the origin of this obstruction of justice problem uh, when uh, James Comey testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee back in June of uh, 2017, just uh, weeks after he was fired, um, because they go into the problem of obstruction of justice quite succinctly. I'll read here from Charlie Savage, one of the uh, New York Times' eminent 
um, intelligence, uh, national security journalists. He writes the testimony by former FBI Director James Comey that President Trump, before firing him, demanded loyalty, urged him to drop the investigation into his former national security advisor, and pressed him to lift the cloud of Russia, uh, is fueling accusations that the president obstructed justice. Trump, of course, wanted Comey to issue exonerations, kind of like William Barr. (laughs) Comey was unwilling to do so. Uh, And in fact, Comey was more alarmed at these meetings with the president in which he has pretty much described this in previous congressional testimony as borderline (laughs) mafiosa stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Gang boss style. Uh, You know, think of Marlon Brando. and I would really like it if you could find a way to uh, make these certain problems go away for a a time. We uh, come to an understanding. We're going to give you an offer that... uh, You can't refuse. Indeed. Um, And, of course, uh, Trump has not explained why he did all these things. Or, and you know the other thing that's not yet been explained? If there's exoneration there, if there was no conspiracy, why so many lies? Yeah. Everybody lied about the Russia connections numerous times. Sure. If there's nothing sketchy about them... Why so many lies? Well, and the other thing that's fascinating from this account dated uh, the 9th of June, 2017, is that uh, Savage reports, the Times has reported that the day after firing um, James Comey, Mr. Trump told diplomats, Russian diplomats, in the Oval Office that the firing of Mr. Comey had relieved Great pressure because of Russia, quote-unquote. So how ironic, I don't know if you'll remember the the meeting that Trump had with uh, Sergei Lavrov and the ambassador, Kislyak, the day after firing Comey. Oh, in the Oval Office where no U.S. media were allowed and the only photos that we have are compliments of TASS. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people will ever forget that day. So how ironic that it's the Russians that are reporting this information. Um, don't know if they can be character witnesses in Donald Trump's impeachment, but uh, inquiring minds want well, to Well, they've know. already gotten pretty much more than they could have expected, and, and let's say damn near everything they wanted. Even if Trump is damaged goods and is, is ruined, the, the entire political system has been flung into disarray. Because of this uh, complete moron who has blundered into this uh, situation. The, 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 I don't usually like to talk about the tweets per se, uh, but there was one last week that was really striking. And it, two elements of it. Was it at four in the morning? It was one of those early morning ones. It was the day after uh, Mueller, maybe the evening after uh, Mueller's surprise uh, appearance. Uh, it began, Russia, Russia, Russia. Blah, blah, blah. Mueller's angry. He was inappropriate. Uh, It was a witch hunt. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't help Russia help me win. Right. 
was the what it said at the end. And then, oh, uh, whoop, that, whoop, whoop. that tweet was deleted uh, like an hour or so later. Uh, so that's the sort of uh, revealing tell. I did not help Russia help me win. That's the closest he's ever come to acknowledging that it even happened at all. The proverbial Freudian slip. Right. Because uh, he won't even ad admit that, yeah, well, the evidence seems pretty clear. Uh, the Russians did uh, hack and the Russians did interfere. He talked to Putin, who said, of course we didn't. So why believe all the actual evidence? But the image that I thought of with, with the Russia, 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 listeners are older than a certain age will remember the famous Marsha Brady. Uh Marsha, 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 or Jan Brady's all upset. Oh, Marsha gets all the attention. Russia, Russia, Russia. I just someone's got to do a meme of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Right, Marshall Stalin, Marshall Stalin. Uh, of course, what's interesting about this article is it goes into the details of obstruction of justice, including the difficulty in actually pursuing this. As a legal matter, but uh, Savage reports that sections 1503, 1505, and 1512 of Title 18, this is the federal code involved here, have variants of language making it a crime if somebody corruptly obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding. Uh, that's where Trump finds himself at this point. Uh, one constitutional lawyer and a former federal prosecutor, Julio Sullivan, is quoted as saying, Trump really needs a lawyer. He's building a beautiful case against himself. <laughs> well, Emmett Flood just quit. So, well, I don't know what's up with that, but uh, he'll, he'll be in need of a lawyer. Well, Trump wanted to promote him to some other position, and he <clears throat> apparently specializes in uh, giving presidents advice on impeachment matters because uh, he apparently formerly worked for Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's a pretty that's his resume. Na narrow speciality. Yeah. <laughs> Comes in handy every 20 years. <laughs> uh, and it was about 20 years ago when Bill Clinton yeah. was uh, dealing with uh, the silly impeachment. Um, of course, the interesting thing about the obstruction of justice, just to <clears throat> finish up on this, it says obstruction of justice cases often come down to whether or not prosecutors can prove a defendant's mental state when they committed the act. Uh, and thus, it's not enough to show that a defendant knew the act would have side consequences of impeding an investigation. Achieving that obstruction has to have been the specific intention. Well... The intention is obvious. Well, here and here's where the tweets come in, too, because yeah. they're, they're so public. And, of course, part of the report that seems to be indisputable are all of the uh, various pressures and obsession that Trump had in firing Mueller early on, including these phony uh, attempts to link Mueller to conflicts of interest uh, related to the fact that he was once a member of Donald Trump's golf club. Yeah, that apparently even Steve Bannon told him, ah, those are ridiculous claims. <laughs> I would no. disqualify everybody. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he got kind of desperate. He was putting pressure on, uh, you know, subordinates and various people to fire um, Robert Mueller early in the investigation, including Don McGahn, Hope Hicks, and Jeff Sessions. 
Well, tomorrow is the deadline for Hope Hicks and Don McGahn's uh, personal secretary slash assistant, uh, whose name uh, escapes me. Uh, tomorrow's the deadline for that, uh, mm-hmm. for them to acknowledge and respond uh, appropriately or, you know, face whatever the follow-up measures will be. And let's remember, you know, going back to Watergate, that unexpected revelations come out of some of these hearings. Uh, nobody knew about the Watergate tapes until Alexander Butterfield, who knew about them. He was one of, I think, five people that knew that Nixon bugged himself, uh, in addition to bugging all kinds of other people. Henry, we got to go over those wiretaps. Um, that You know, that came out by almost accident. In oh. fact, it was a Republican uh, lawyer on the Watergate committee that asked him, about it. <laughs> Butterfield probably went, uh-oh. So that revelation was made in July of 1973. And Which then, is very late in, in the game there. And look how long it took uh-huh. uh, to actually have Richard Nixon resign, let alone have articles of impeachment voted on, because they weren't voted on until late July of 1974 by the House Judiciary Committee. By that point, uh, Nixon had been uh, a loser, so to speak, in front of the Supreme Court, eight to nothing, about the uh, legality of the of the tapes themselves, that he had to turn over the tapes. Um, and that, of course, is why Archibald Cox was fired. The Saturday Night Massacre, which happened in October of 73, uh, was the political blunder that uh, Nixon made that kind of ended his, uh, it was the beginning of the end. But let's also remember that most Republicans in the Senate remained quite loyal to Richard Nixon until the very end. In other words, it was the actual substance of the tapes that convinced uh, uh, quite a number of them that it was time to pack the bags. <laughs> the bus is... Warming up outside at the helicopter pad. <laughs> so uh, who knows what will happen? Um, you know, the the notion that Mike Pence is going to somehow be an improvement over uh, this man in the White House that's quite confused about everything. I mean, I find it pretty amazing that he had a sort of angry argument with his top economic advisors about the utilization of tariffs to somehow influence immigration enforcement from last week. Right. This is absolutely amazing. And for him to begin opining on British politics, including the revisiting of Meghan Markle, uh, is is incomprehensible. Well, of course, Nixon, to be fair and give him his due, uh, when the Supreme Court decided eight to nothing against him, he complied. Yeah. Will... This guy. I mean, that's the fear that a lot of people have is like, how hard will he fight the judicial system? I mean, we've seen him, uh, you know, play havoc with the Department of Justice. He's got his Roy Cohn. Uh, will he? I mean, Bill Barr sort of ha ha, Nancy Pelosi got your handcuffs. Aha, uh-huh, you're going to lock me up. Um, <laughs> I could totally see this gang of. Gangster types play this hard and not comply. 
So this will be very interesting to see how this third branch of government wields its, you know, weight into this conflict between the two others. And how bizarre to have Trump opining on Brexit, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that happened three years ago. British society is completely divided. The Tories are, are split in half. The labor is split in half. And the notion that Nigel Farage should somehow be part of negotiations is bizarre. He's not even in the government. That would be like saying, let Rush Limbaugh negotiate our free trade agreement with China. Shh. Don't, don't say that out loud. <laughs> Somebody might pick up on that and go, oh, wow, that's... That's a good plan. Good plan. Uh, you well, know, Boris Johnson does have a similar sort of uh, bizarre hairstyle. At least he's witty. Uh, he's also being sued for uh, falsely making claims in the uh, British uh, Brexit leave election from. Uh, yeah, they played pretty loose ago. and free with the numbers as far as how much was actually being shelled out by the UK uh, to the European Union. So let's remember that the Brexit vote in Britain had some similarities to the Russian interference in Indeed the American elections. Uh, we have Rupert Murdoch. We have Nigel Farage. We have uh, <laughs> Putin lurking in the side. You know, he, he wants this disruption of, of Europe. Uh, it's strange that Trump doesn't even understand the numbers. Um, I'd like to point out to Donald Trump in the last seven years— our exports to China have gone up by one and a half times our total trade with Great Britain. So while Great Britain is a top-notch um, modern society with uh, great advances in science, technology, and all sorts of things, entertainment, wit, literature, uh, the trade situation with Great Britain is, is a kind of an even-steven thing. If you go back and you check out the deficit numbers or the total trade statistics, it's almost a total wash. Uh, what we import from Britain, by the way, where we have a deficit with them, are chemicals, whatever that means. And uh, what they have a deficit with us are manufactured products, which ironically may go up in price substantially here in the United States because of Trump's continuing trade war with uh, uh, China and perhaps um, Mexico now. Who knows where that's going to go? Yeah, the stock market took a bump last week from uh, all that nonsense. Big time uh, decline in uh, in May. The Dow Jones Industrial seven down seven percent. I want to remind you that you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is the Gray Matters program. Yazoo City Calling will be following in a few minutes' time. We have reason to believe. Um, and speaking of numbers, and speaking of all the noise and chaos that's created from these bizarre and foolish tariffs. Uh, terrible news uh, last week from northwestern Syria, where Russian and Syrian bombing of uh, the uh, province known as Idlib has led to the uh, creation of 250,000 additional refugees now stranded between their bombed-out cities and the Turkish border, which is closed to them. Uh, they're literally in the midst of an open field uh, around which uh, artillery, aerial bombardment, and so forth is going on. 
Trump has nary a care in the world about, nor does uh, Prince of Portfolios, Jared Kushner, who had a bizarre interview this weekend as well. Um, <laughs> there's a whole program worth of comments to be made about his well, 